goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Bo's by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly with you here. Yes, indeed. This is a special week. I've been spending most of the week in what many of us refer to as the swamp, Washington, D.C. And it has been my pleasure to reconnect with one of the oldest friends that the conservative movement has. That would be the Heritage Foundation. Now, Heritage, you guys say, yeah, that was yesterday. They were done. They're done. They're so No, they're not done. They are coming back strong and not just coming back with a bunch of white papers that many of you will never read and all that stuff. They're actually taking action on the things that we care about. And so we have been busy this week talking to a lot of the people and introducing you to a lot of the people over at Heritage so that you can see the fight is not over. It has only really begun again. Dr. Kevin Roberts, you are amazing. Thank you. You're very kind, my friend. It's great to have you here. And, you know, let me just ask you some really pointed questions, if you don't That's the only kind of question I like. Okay. Fire away. Heritage Foundation was at the forefront of many of our lives when I was, I didn't even realize until I was working with Rush that I was a conservative. I was just, these are the politics I grew up with. This is what I loved, right? And then through the association with the Rush Limbaugh show, like many other people, we learned of heritage and the great work that heritage did with Ronald Reagan during the Reagan presidency, guiding the way I remember reading through some of the scholars' works that came that time, defining for us what uh, the welfare system was real, what was really going on, how uh, Democrat policies were breaking up families and all the rest. And then heritage seemed to be everywhere. Now we're in such more of a fragmented world. You've got 10,000 organizations out doing this, 10,000 organizations, some of them with their hands out for money that don't really produce anything back. And Heritage still stands. Is, I mean, this is a, not a loaded question, but seriously, a lot of people maybe don't know, is Heritage still as relevant in this new political landscape? And is it as needed as it was back when, there was no real conservative movement. It was the, the conservative movement was just in the embryonic stage. Well, I, I love that question truly because I asked myself that question one year ago when I was talking to the board about having the privilege of being president of this institution. Look, I, I grew up in a poor family in Louisiana, and I was the first person in my family to say I'm a conservative. And you know why? I discovered the Heritage Foundation and Rush Limbaugh. It's true. 
Wow. And so when I walked into the studio a few minutes ago, I said, man, you're one of my heroes. And you, you think I'm just being polite as a Southerner. And I'm not. It's it's heartfelt that you, you and our late friend Rush and, of course, this institution I have the privilege, privilege of leading every day are crucial to American conservatism. I mean that, James. But I want to get to your question because I travel the country for a living and I listen before I talk. And a lot of our longtime supporters at Heritage have asked that question, is Heritage still relevant? And I'm going to tell you this. There's no salesmanship in this. I'm a no BS kind of guy. Because of the fragmentation in American conservatism, because we know at Heritage what time it is in America, that is to say we've got about two or three election cycles to reclaim the greatness of this country, not just the research that we do here, but what we don't want to do with that research is really crucial. In other words, we don't just write white papers – We actually want to take action on those white papers. We lobby Congress. We lobby state legislatures. And as you might notice, if you waste some time and read the Washington Post, we make the libs mad. And we make the libs mad because we tell the truth. So all of that to say, the answer is a resounding yes. But we welcome feedback from friends like you. From people in your audience who say, Heritage, if you want to be everywhere and you really want to be the North Star as you've always been, here's some advice for you. We're very willing to listen to that because while we're in the swamp, James, we are not of the swamp. We are the people's lobbying organization. And there's so much that needs to be lobbied for. I mean, conservatives in some way. First of all, there are a lot of people that call themselves conservative now that look down the block and they see other people. I won't mention names, Bill Crystal. I won't look at, I won't mention names. At people and Lincoln Project and say, these people are nuts. They're not us. They're not conservatives. Now, one of the things that Rush talked about, um, and he, he mentioned a few names before, before he passed away was the fact that under, in the Trump years, one of the things conservatives got a lot of what they were asking for. And, and the, the people that they noticed that were complaining about it, were the people that all for years have been promising to deliver the same thing but never delivered. But what they did deliver on, okay, you want to go on a cruise, we'll do this. You want my publication here, spend money here. But the people that actually did something, the people that moved the ball forward, still come under a lot of criticism. And so how do we get past this schism? A lot of people in the grassroots, let me just be frank, a lot of people in the grassroots hate what they call establishment Republicans. And I, I don't use that word lightly, and I wish it weren't so, but they do. It is a visceral hatred for people they see just as problematic as Democrats. Well, then there's good reason for that concern, right? Because as a lifelong movement conservative, I can say, even though I want to be nice and polite to everybody, there's a really stark reality. I agree with grassroots people because I am a grassroots guy that we, <laughs> we, we, for two generations, we've elected Supposed conservatives to D.C., to state legislatures, and what do we get in return? Yeah, the country is, is, is okay, but okay only at best, right? It ought to be flourishing considering how many times we've been in power. And so I'm really animated about hopefully what will be a long tenure of mine here at the Heritage Foundation because I know when I walk into this building every day, every one of my colleagues wants to do what? They want to charge the hill of truth for the American people. And if certain elected officials who are supposedly on our side, who've been in certain positions for a long time, get a little out of kilter because we're willing to tell the truth, which is it's past time for you to devolve power from D.C. and give it back to the American people, they will often tell us, well, it's a little hard because of this process or that rule. And and I'm going to be frank with you. 
to hell with the process and the rule. We want okay. our country back. Right. Now, you look at things that, to me, affect a lot of people's lives, right? And I think that there are things – I want to see if you agree with me on this or, or maybe you don't. I think that there are – we're at a point where we could do some breakthrough things if we are consistent with our principles. You look in New York, for instance – the two mayors there fired so many civil work workers because they refused to get a vaccine COVID. The, I mean, the COVID vaccination, right? This is something that to me seems to be right up a conservative's alley, which is a, a question of liberty, individual liberty, and whatever. I'm not, look, I'm vaccinated. As I tell people all the time, I got vaccinated before I realized what was in the vaccine, I got vaccinated and um, <laughs> I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not one of the, I have some friends that are total kooks when it comes to this stuff. You know, vaccines are the worst things in the world, blah, blah, blah. But, but people that were heroes, people that literally came in during the beginning of the COVID pandemic without knowing whether they w- would be contaminated with that disease that day. Came well, we in, didn't know how bad it was. That's right. right and risk their lives, risk their lives. And many of them were watching people die all around them. We call them heroes. And that lasted until there came this money-making vaccine that's made billions of dollars. And then if they didn't take it, these heroes were not thrown out of work. It seems to me conservatives should be appealing to those people. Absolutely. That's why I'm so proud of, among other really good conservative stalwarts in Congress, my closest friend, Chip Roy, used to work with him at Texas Public Policy Foundation. Chip knows what time it is. And, and, And the point, James, is... The very first day that I started at Heritage on December 1st, we filed the first lawsuit we ever filed. We've always been sort of the architect of the conservative legal movement in the background, letting others take credit. We're very happy with that. But I told my board and my colleagues, your new president of the Heritage Foundation is not abiding that unconstitutional, illegal, unethical rule, period. And to your point about the fact that you're vaccinated and others are not, it's a personal choice. Right. And, and I mean, in hindsight, there's a lot of wisdom, right, for, for people who decided they didn't want it. Absolutely. And now, and, but we still can't get our hands on the real information. Mark Stein was overseas, and he did a series of uh, uh, TV shows overseas to, talking with families of people that suddenly died. Yeah, it's, and it's remarkable. And these are young, young generally people. healthy, young, healthy men and people. women. And, the, and that is uh, the, right now, I believe, the leading cause of, of death for that age group suddenly died. That's right. We don't know why. We we have no idea why. And if you ask the question, you're portrayed as a kook. Well, all that is is common sense, right? Exactly right. Let me ask you another question. Um, This is uh, uh, maybe a little bit – let me just ask you. Man, there's a smirk on your face. This is going to be a doozy. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So ever since I've been a conservative, I've been hearing from key Republican leaders and key conservative leaders how we have to outreach – to, you know, get those, to talk to those black people over there and those Hispanics over there. Because, of course, they're not human. They need to be outreached like they're some kind of aliens uh, and all of that, even though we have a, a history in America that goes back as far as America. So my question is, are we, what are you, what are you guys at Heritage? What are you going to do? What we are you be- going to do to, to enlarge the tent? Look, we believe that the truth is magnetic. And the truth, when told with great cheerfulness, which is part of who we are, attracts a lot of people. But I'll tell you two stories briefly. The first is from my days in Texas. So starting 10 years ago, I realized eventually in the Rio Grande Valley, which now has gotten a lot of attention for the Hispanic red wave, was going to flip. And I knew it was going to flip, not because the RNC was down there pandering and speaking in Spanish, although, 
it, you know, nothing wrong with speaking in Spanish, but don't do it for the sake of a political transaction. You know what did that? What? Two things. People were down there building community with folks who were tired of government taking away their business freedom through regulation, through taxation, through spending so much money on public schools for worse results. They wanted school reform. And because there also happened to be social conservatives. And then the second thing was Donald Trump went down there as a New Yorker who's obviously white and doesn't speak Spanish and said, I'm not here to pander. I'm here to build a a country with you. That's our attitude at Heritage. But I will say this. We are very active with any group of Americans who wants to spend time with us. They want to be inside Heritage, outside Heritage. We're going to be there. And it's not going to be because of, quote, unquote, outreach. It's going to be because in America, we have the most noble experiment in human history, checkered for sure. We're humans. But we've gotten past that. And we got to get back to whether we're black, white, Hispanic, Asian or something else to say the most important thing about us is that we have succeeded in this noble experiment. James Goldman, A.K. Snurdly, we'll be right back. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. On 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Talk Radio 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. We're back with Dr. Kevin Roberts, who is the president of Heritage. Now, we left off talking about the role of, you said some things that blew my mind, by the way, with that. The role of Heritage in expanding the the base and what we're going to do. Now, look, my dad was a Korean vet, a World War II vet, at a time when he could go overseas and have more freedom than he could have in America. Yet, he taught his family, love America. This is our country. Love, you can do anything that you want to do in this country. Right now, when you look at, there are so many neighborhoods in America where, and this, by the way, isn't racial. This goes to a whole different level because you see young white kids, young black kids, young Hispanic kids. Young liberal kids all over who hate this country, who we are the we are the um, the colonizers. That's what they call the other people, the colonizers, and we're the people that oppress everybody. They grow up hating it. And that's reinforced in the schools. It's reinforced from the Democrat Party. It's reinforced all over the mainstream media. America's a terrible place. How do you combat that? How do you bring another message to a group of people that are hostile? toward hearing anything good about the country and, by the way, about their own chances of success in this country. One is formal in the policy arena, which, of course, is what we do, and so I'll speak to that. And and the second is informal and therefore more important because it's just how we operate naturally as Americans. And I'll start with the informal. All of us who agree with what you just said, and keep in mind that would be a majority of Americans, a majority, need to stop listening to the sliver of Americans, most of them bicoastal white elites who have a vested financial interest in dividing us. And we need to, in all of our conversations at parties, over dinner, get a bagel in New York, we need to say, forget that. 
It doesn't matter. Yeah, we're a bunch of different people. And guess what? We have the greatest country in the world, not because of our military, not because of our economy, but because for so many generations we said, however imperfect we are, we want to be better in the next generation. There's no other place that does that. But on the formal policy side, and this is coming from a public school guy, we're not teaching our kids in very many schools a love for this country. You can't love what you don't know. And so, James, 15, 20 years ago, when I was a young history professor teaching African-American history, I'm a decidedly white guy, which your radio audience wouldn't necessarily know. That's a topic I liked. I thought, well, I'm an American. That's a fascinating topic. Let's let's teach it. Well, damn. (laughs) The point is, as Americans, let's stop worrying about what divides us. The fact that we have different ethnicities and cultures is a beautiful thing. Those aren't divisions. Those are things to celebrate. And when you study American history, not in a whitewashed way, but you just study it, you realize it is a persistent constant trajectory upwards toward human flourishing. And that, in terms of policy, is why we've got to completely upend the American public school system so that every dollar follows every child. And once we do that, parents are going to demand that the truth be taught. Every single country in the world, if you go back in their history, you find you will find something that they could be ashamed of, embarrassed of. You can find some horrific atrocities that were committed I don't care who they are, what state they are, because this is a state of human existence. America is the only nation. China doesn't do this. Russia doesn't do this. And they should. They could. Germany doesn't do it. And they certainly have a lot that they could. They they don't look backwards and teach their own people to hate their country because of things that cannot be changed in the past. That's exactly right. We are the only country that's spending, uh, spending time wait, acting as if our our life today and our future tomorrow is entirely based on a segment of things, not even our entire history of what happened in the past. The same people that, that do this don't even acknowledge that the founders of America, who they hate, gave us a constitution that changed the entire world and changed the concept of liberty in the entire world. So it's up to, if if this message is ever going to get to kids, it's not going to get through the public school system. It's not going to get through higher education. It's not going to get through social media. It's not going to get through any of these things. It's got to come from organizations that have the willingness, the backbone to actually get out and put those messages out. That, that's exactly right. And 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 look, governments are human enterprises. Institutions are too. So heritage is imperfect because it's run by humans. But I will say with that caveat, one of the things I'm really proud of, and heritage has been a leader in this for years, as you know, James, is that when it comes to telling the truth about anything, but especially the fact that we are spending more on public education in this country per capita than we ever have before, and the results have gotten worse. So our kids can't read, they can't write, they don't know math and science. And worse of all, They don't have an appreciation for their country. They don't have an appreciation for the privilege they have just by waking up in the United States. And so what I tell my own kids, I tell audiences all around the country, if you are feeling like your belief in America is sort of flagging, if it's sort of waning, go talk to an immigrant and ask him, wherever he's from, why are you here? And he or she will tear up and they will make you tear up. We need to do more of that. So Heritage, of course, is is working on that, telling stories, 
to convince people through media outlets that America is not lost. It's not this terrible institution. It's ridiculous we even have to say that. But we're willing to do that in spite of all the barbs that come our way from you know, the dysfunctional leftist media. And I'm so grateful that you're willing to be a voice for that, too. I'm optimistic, James. I mean, we're going to have some fights we got to win on the policy side, but I want to really, really emphasize I think we're about to turn the corner and we're going to enter a golden era of American conservatism and American policy because, as Churchill said, you can trust the American people always to do the right thing once they've tried everything else. <laughs> on that note, we'll leave it here. I will say that our school systems are exceptional at one thing. We have mastered the art of new pronouns. So <laughs> You're good about you that. Go. Right about that. What a pleasure, and I hope many more. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Rush. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Bo Snerdly. On 77 WABC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rush. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdley on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdly. Rush. Now, here's Bo Snerdly. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, with you here on 77 WABC. As you know, we've been in Washington, D.C. all week, the swamp. And it has been a blessing for me to be at the Heritage Foundation. I should call it the New Heritage. Mike Howell is the director of Oversight. I called him another name earlier in private. And... <laughs> What are you oversighting, Mike? We're, we're oversighting it all. I mean, this is the most target-rich environment in the history of the United States because this is, frankly, and I think this is indisputable, the worst administration to date. They've screwed up massively, in many cases purposely, in every single policy area. It doesn't matter what you care about. If there's an issue you're interested in, the Biden administration massively screwed Energy. it up. Energy. Look, they shut down basically our ability to make energy in this country because these wokesters that are running the Department of Energy, the White House, your John Kerry's of the world, want their green energy buddies to get billions of dollars to start up their new startups. And they go on the attack against American industry producers because guess what? They're in red states mostly. And you know who wins? China and even Russia. Russia's in the catbird seat when it comes to this energy kind of stuff. So Education. They, Education, I mean, look no further than what's happening across our schools. The woke takeover being pushed by the Biden administration, these radicals there. I mean, they're teaching pronouns and crazy gender theory to your kids, and if they can't transition them, they'll certainly make it believe it. And guess what? They're not even handing out school lunch money to schools that don't comply with this. They're going after the kids. Okay. Uh, what is going on in the world of politic politics? Ooh. What is the Biden administration doing there to crush the opponents of their regime. 
quite a bit. I mean, at the highest levels, look, they've weaponized the FBI and DOJ. And that didn't take much. These folks are already weaponized against the Trump administration. We saw this over the years that he was in charge, and even before and now. But but moreover, I think we need to understand the Biden administration's basically a placeholder for George Soros, Bill Gates, others, big left money groups that pass through him and get him to do whatever he wants. They're transferring not only billions of dollars, but trillions of dollars. They brag about their agenda. Uh, but if you look at all the major legislations that's passed, they're wealth transfers from the American people to their political allies. And so they're taking money from the base of this country, the, the patriotic Americans, and giving it to green energy companies, woke infrastructure products, uh, foreign energy companies down the line. It's a, it's robbing this country blind. And so that's how they're crushing us. So, all right, COVID, pandemics, health, Fauci's. All of that, the health infrastructure of government, how'd they screw that up? Oh, my gosh, where do we begin? That screws every single layer, right, down from your, your school all the way up to the HHS. Uh, Fauci, obviously, chief instigator of this, and not only did he lead the federal government efforts, but he lended moral support to every crazy person out there. I mean, he's probably more popular than uh, anyone in this country right now if you look at, like, rich, affluent suburbs and especially upper-middle-class women. He's a hero. He's a god to them. And so Fauci's obviously resigning right before, you know, hopefully the, the House and Senate flip, but if they – if you know, even if he resigns, he's got to get a parking spot over at Capitol Hill right here because he needs to be on Capitol every day under oath testifying. And this pension that he's got, they need to take a hard look at that and see if he deserves a penny. How, of how much? How much uh, pension does he uh, walk away well, with? Well, he's the highest paid government employee right now. Oh, that's now. right. Yeah, four hundred over four hundred. Oh yeah, he's plus it maybe in. royalties. Oh, that we don't know anything about. Book deals. He's got it all. I'm sure he's got a movie about him. This guy is, you know, he's their their hero. He's their god. So I said, what's heritage oversight oversighting about it? What are you going to do about all this? All stuff? the things that need oversighting. So like what? So How, what are you going to do? So FOIA investigations. Okay. So hear me out. And I was used to be in the Trump administration, the one dealing with this. Everyone knows FOIA. They think, oh, what? Well, it's boring. It's just paperwork from the government. But what really matters, if you get a strategic, well-funded operation, this stuff costs money. Not every Joe Smoke can go out there and file a lawsuit in federal court. That's what we're doing across the board. Every single issue area, we just talked about and many more. We basically have the Biden administration through their Department of Justice tied up in court on document production schedules with us. Our trick that separates us from the rest is we know where these documents are. We have decades of experience at the highest levels of federal government across the board. So we know where we're going. These are targeted snipes. And it's going to be really painful when they start coughing this stuff up. And we're going to get it out of there, get in the hands of people who can do stuff about it. And, and we're really excited. So with a new, you think, a new House and a new Senate, are you sure? And I ask this because those of us on the outside looking in, have held our hopes so many times. We looked, we said, oh, there's someone that thinks like us. And then when it comes to actual action, when it comes to, let's say, Republicans in the House or the Senate actually following through on stuff, all we get is, hey, pal, bend over again. Right. Well, what I like to say is you can hope in one hand and go in the bathroom in the other, see which one fills up first. I have zero hope <laughs> for what's going to happen. You know, I, I trust but verify, all right? Here's a couple things where you'll be able to know if they're walking the walk, actually. Funding. They're debating right now whether they should give this Congress, the Democrat Congress, the ability for a lame duck funding bill that will stretch out, you know, further into the Biden administration. If you do that, you can't hold up money that goes to the Biden administration later if they don't comply with these demands, subpoenas, et cetera. So they're about to give up all of their leverage, potentially. So let's watch see how that plays out. The second big hurdle I think you need to keep your eye out for 
is do they have the guts to go after private companies? Now, the Chamber of Commerce and their friends are going to say, oh, you shouldn't send subpoenas to Facebook or, you know, Twitter. Oh, they're private companies. Let the free market work. Well, that is done. That is done in my book. These these CEOs, not only CEOs, mid-level employees, everyone needs to be living over Capitol Hill. Share a hotel room with Dr. Fauci for all I care because they need to be deposed daily. So let's see if they're willing to, you know, hold up the money. If they're going to shut down the government over some funding issues, uh, if they aren't getting compliance, if they're willing to enforce their subpoenas, if they're willing to go after these bad corporate actors and the NGOs. And so those are two two metrics I, I think we'll know pretty darn soon here. I got to be honest with you. Heritage, you know, Heritage was were heroes when we all first came about, you know, all the work they did with the Reagan administration. And then, you know, through the Bush years, they were the Bush years. And then <clears throat> I don't know what happened to Heritage, but now Heritage is back and they are roaring. And you're hearing some of that roaring going on <laughs> with the director of oversight. So, Mr. Director, Mr. Oversight of oversighting. Let me ask you a question about about. Just pure politics, maybe not something you're involved in. In the news right now, you have Letitia James uh, going after Trump using the power of government. Our own DOJ with Biden, as we talked about earlier, is totally corrupted, at least from the point of view of most of us observers. Hunter Biden still walks around with nothing attached to his name but whatever scandals were in the papers, thank you, Miranda Devine and others. But in terms of real investigation, nothing. And we're talking of billions of dollars of wealth transfer from the Ukraine, potentially from China, et cetera, et cetera. If you go back in over the years, you look at the Clinton Foundation, no, they, no one's ever investigated the billions of dollars that have flown through that organization. So you have Trump being prosecuted by the government. We have now have the prospect of maybe a new IRS with 87,000 agents with lowest learners, Acolyte, running the show. We have these district attorneys in uh, the one in Georgia, this one in New York. For many of us, it appears that there's a two-tier, not appears, there's a two-tier justice system. It's alive and well. Democrats will crush Republicans if they choose to, or they'll make their lives miserable, and we do nothing. How do we fight that? Yeah, I that was well said. I agree with all of that. I think the first step is, you know, admitting you have a problem. I talk to, you know, conservatives, Republicans, whatever you want to call them. Uh, a lot of people still have faith in these institutions, like whether it's Department of Justice, the FBI, these district attorney offices, a lot of federal judges. Well, to me, the institutions have largely been captured. It's game over in a lot of these spaces, whether it's the, the weaponization of federal law enforcement, the judicial process. Look at these congressional committees. We have to understand that these are bad actors, and they are out to not just win, but to stomp us out from ever being a threat again. So first step is admitting the scope of the war and all of the ground that has actually been lost already. The second is admitting that to we have great policy ideas. We, we've always had the better policy ideas. But you need actual power to turn that into into policy. And you need power to destroy the gains that the left has been able to build up. And so we need to get comfortable with using our power to reward people on our side and punish those out to destroy us. That's not something the Republican Party has traditionally been wont to do. They'd rather sit back and hope the you know institutions go back to a place of neutrality. Well, that day is gone. There has been a long plan that has been perfectly executed, funded, uh, for the left to take over this country and its most important parts. And so I think 
that recognition, if we get enough people there, and I think the voters are there, the base is there, I'm sure your listeners are there, but, you know, we're here, you know, a quarter mile from Capitol Hill. They're not there. We expect real changes, and uh, it's going to be very uncomfortable, and some of it may have some, you know, fallback and ancillary consequences, but we got to go to the heart of the Death Star because this country doesn't have many election cycles left. How many people, how do people help you? How do, if people hear this and they say, oh, finally, someone's talking my language. How do they help the effort? How do they get involved? Right. So here at the Oversight Project, we're suing the pants off the Biden administration. That costs money. It frankly does to get in front of court. These you got filing fees. you got to pay attorneys. Our thing is we know where the documents are, and we're not going to wait for Congress to do it, and we're certainly not going to wait for the FBI to, to do it themselves. We're going out there and doing that work and putting out on silver platter for the public and to, frankly, force those on Capitol Hill to say, oh, my gosh, they found this out. we got to do something about it, or else we'll be on TV. We'll be back on your show talking about why they aren't doing anything with it. So if you're interested in the work we're doing, come check us out, heritage.org slash oversight, uh, or just send us an email. You know, If you're if you got something you think we should be looking at it, talk to us. This is going to be a national effort to disembowel the powers that are here in D.C. The new heritage, folks. James Golden, AKs, thank you, Mike. Yeah, Mike's got somebody, well, I know the story. <laughs> He's got a young kid at home. He's got a beautiful, nice little bump on the lip to show for it. Oh, I'm bruised and ready to go. I'm not going to let that hold me back. Wonderful, man. Thank you for joining us. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, coming back with you right now. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. On 77 WABC. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Rush. It's The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. James Golden, a.k.a. Sterling, with you here on WABC. Our pleasure as we continue to speak with the people at Heritage, the new... I'm calling it the new Heritage. I love it. Okay, because yeah. this is entirely a different Heritage than the Heritage that existed before. It is. We're going on offense. We're excited here, too. Our new leadership, Kevin Roberts, has got us all on offense, and we're excited to hit the field. Derek Morgan, you are the EVP. How did you come about Be Where were you before you were at the new Heritage? Well, I've been a couple of different places, but I came most recently from all places somewhere deep inside the swamp at a trade association, but it was one of the good ones representing oil refiners in America. So we're the constant target of the left. We know how to fight. And when I saw Kevin Roberts got the job here at Heritage, I sent him a note saying, all the right people are happy that you're here, and how can I help? I'd been a Heritage alum back in the day I'd worked here. I was excited to get back here to the mothership to get us on offense. 
Wonderful. So let's talk energy. That's your background. I played a clip last week. We had a little fun with her, too, an environmental lawyer from the left Mm. who suggested that the entire petrochemical industry in Louisiana should be shut down because it's killing black people. Only Mm. black people, Mm. mind you. It's the petrol industry in Louisiana is very selective. <laughs> it looks out over everybody and says, I want to kill the black ones. And, it, and everybody else, it's, just, it's like the neutron bomb except it's petrol. We'll kill the black ones and everything else stands. Okay, so that was shut down pretty mm-hmm. But there is this movement among the left to shut down fossil fuels. Yeah. Fossil fuels are evil. So advance, fast forward, California, California mm-hmm. Gavin Newsom. Okay, by 2030-odd-odd-odd, we're going to have all electric cars. And dumb me, I asked to myself, I like electric cars. I, I've driven in uh, my, some of my friends have Teslas. Mm-hmm. They're really nice vehicles. Sure. But I asked to myself, how are they going to power all these electric cars? Because you need fossil fuels to power these things. Well, that's exactly right. Within a week, you can't make this stuff up. They, they say they're going to outlaw the sale of internal combustion engine cars. Within a week... The grid operator puts out a notice saying you can't charge your electric vehicles from 4 to 9 p.m. And, by the way, you should turn off your lights and not cool your house below 78 degrees. You can't make it up. They can't even, uh, you know, power what's there now. How are they going to add all of these electric vehicles on it? It's just not going to work. Well, what are they going to do? I mean, this is now law. This is mandated in state law. So what options do they have? Will they grow the electric grid? How do you grow an electric grid anyway? Well, I think this is a great case study because uh, the the Green New Deal is a lot of fantasy, and eventually reality hits. It's even hitting for some in California, as we see. They have blackouts and everything else. So they've already started to backtrack little bits and pieces of it. So they went ahead and extended the life of their uh, remaining nuclear power plant there. That get, They get about 10% of their energy, even though they didn't want to do that. Uh, they also passed an emergency funding bill to for stopgap measures, and they allowed natural gas to be part of that. Oh, So they already are backing off what they're saying. And a really important point here, they claim that almost 50% of their electricity is renewables. Right. But they are only producing about 70% of the energy they need. So they import the rest. It's just not sustainable. You cannot have that much intermittent energy. The wind isn't always blowing. The sun isn't always shining. Okay, so talk to me about those two things, the little windmills that are spinning around killing the birds and (laughs) the solar farms when the birds fly over them, they get cooked barbecue, and no one cares about them. I happen to be a bird lover, so I mean, I'm just like, how long is this going to go on before people realize that if we keep expanding this, we could be seriously putting some of the species on Earth in jeopardy with those two forms of quote-unquote renewable energy? Yeah, that's right. Well, a couple of points on that. Number one, they have an incredible amount of fossil fuel in them to begin with. So about two-thirds of a windmill comes from fossil fuels, from those petrochemicals we were just talking about. About two-thirds of a windmill. Uh, An electric vehicle actually has a lot of uh, petrochemicals and a lot of petroleum products in it. So this idea that you're going to get away from uh, fossil fuels just is is a fantasy. But putting that to the side for a moment, you're exactly right. Every kind of energy has trade-offs. And what you're seeing in California is it's twice as expensive there as it is where I live in Virginia. So it's already costly. And then you've got to deal with these blackouts. And you've got to deal with, you know, not having your air conditioning on from 4 to 9 p.m. When they said in the grid release, because solar panels are less effective, they admit it. So how are you going to do this on a larger scale when you're adding millions of electric vehicles onto the grid? They have no answer for that. And sooner or later, reality will hit. The unfortunate thing is people are going to get hurt, especially folks in the lower income brackets, because they spend more of their money on energy 
than folks in a higher income bracket. You know, the people that are driving around in Teslas or private jets, you know, it's a like rounding error for them. Yeah, John Kerry. Right? I, have to, I have to be on a private jet. I'm John Kerry. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. So it's not going to affect those people so much. That's a rounding error for them. But think about this. What if you own a landscaping business in California? Not only are there no electric vehicles to drive, but they're also banning the internal combustion engine for lawn equipment. How are you going to mow a lawn with one of those little electric uh, lawn mowers or a, a leaf blower? They just they don't work for very long. They only work if you have a tiny lot. If that's right. your business, it's just not going to work for you. But right. do they care? Apparently not. Let's go overseas for a moment. Germany and some of the other European countries once – Russia decided we're going to show you who's boss and shut off the spigot. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they're doing a major retreat on fossil fuels. They're doing a major retreat on nuclear yes. energy. They're doing a major retreat on natural gas. Mm-hmm. What happens? How does this, this, what's happening overseas play out long term? Is there, has the light really gone off or is this just a band-aid over a temporary situation? I think the lights are going off. Uh, I think they're figuring this out, actually. I think they're seeing the danger of putting your energy security in the hands of Vladimir Putin. They're not, they're not, uh, developing their own resources. As you mentioned, they shut down nuclear and there's countries in Europe. France gets about 70% of its energy from nuclear. Nuclear is a very stable power source. Once it's built, if we would ever allow them to be built, it's a very low operating cost. So it can be a really good part of the energy mix. But they wanted to get rid of, you know, bad coal, so to speak. And instead, they handed over all of their energy security to Putin. So I think what you're seeing there is they're understanding that's the problem. What I don't want to see is us here in the United States when we have plentiful resources of coal, of natural gas, of oil now. We have all of these resources. Why would we voluntarily by, for example, going to all electric vehicles, put our energy security in the hands of China. That's where the electric batteries are made. That's where all of the EV, lithium, all the lithium, exactly right, copper, magnesium, graphite, all of those are owned by China and processed in China. By the way, have you, can you talk to us for a minute about, you know, people used to, when, when I was coming up, they used to point to us about the evil energy people and say, look at that strip mine. Those people okay. are terrible. You see where that mountain once stood? Can, what does a lithium mine look like? A lot of water and a lot of square footage, and it doesn't look pretty. Um, you know, sometimes it doesn't to take uh, the natural resources that we've been blessed with here on Earth to extract them and to use them, to mold them into something useful. Uh, I, you, won't, you won't find me necessarily knocking mining. I think we need to take the Earth's resources and use them. I just don't understand why you would you do all this to put it in the hands of China. Why? Okay. Why would we do that uh, when we have plentiful energy here in the U.S.? Let's get people working in Louisiana. You know, one of our major oil-producing states, I think around two-thirds of petrochemicals are made yeah. Oh, on that the state, Coast. the one that targets black people to die from petrochemicals. <laughs> it's absurd. It's absurd. Uh, and, and the economy has been uh, really strong down there thanks to petrochemicals, thanks to oil and gas. So, uh, you know, it's really short-sighted. Yeah. So, okay, one last question. I thank you for spending so much time with us. Okay, we you're the energy expert. People look at what's happening with the Green New Deal. They see uh, the, the squad running around. Uh, the, what does America's energy future look like if, if we listen to the left, if we listen to the squad, if we continue to start saying, okay, this Green New Deal makes sense? What's Cali- our future like? Look at California. There's oh. no better example. You have a sneak preview. And unfortunately, there's a lot of states that follow them. So that silly EV rule that we've been talking about because of a provision in the Clean Air Act, other states can opt to join California. And more than a dozen states have already said they're going to. 
So if you're in New York or New Jersey or Massachusetts or a lot of other states, get ready because it's coming right to you. And we all know where where President Biden wants to take this. He wants the whole country to follow California. Hmm. And not just on electric vehicles, but on the utility side, too. Where, again, California's energy, twice as expensive as where I live and not reliable. What's Heritage going to do about this? We are fighting. We're fighting hard, not only at the federal level, but also at the state level. There are ways to push back on the Green New Deal, and we're pursuing each one of those. Uh, not only in energy, but across the board. Sometimes things get stuck in Washington because of divided government, so we go right to the states. I'll give you two examples of that. On uh, education policy, we developed a scorecard to try to get the governors to compete with each other. Number one and number two this year was DeSantis in Florida and Ducey in Arizona. And, you know, we want Texas to look at this scorecard and say, I don't want to be number 12. I think they're number 12. I want to be up there number one. You know, I'm a Texan. Uh, you know, we want to be number one. Uh, so I want them to, to to challenge one another. And you know what one stat in that uh, scorecard that really made me sad was that Texas is behind California on school choice. Oh, that's no self-respecting. That doesn't make sense. Can't let that stand. No, right. <laughs> that's right. Because uh, they have just far more charter schools and other options in California, and Texas has been behind the curve on that piece. There's other parts of Texas is way better, obviously. So I want the states to compete with each other, and we did a similar thing with fair, free and fair elections. We saw all the problems this last time, and we want states to take common sense. Uh, measures, you know, requiring identification, uh, making it uh, easy to vote but hard to cheat. And we ranked every state, and now you also have a list of states, and we want them competing with each other for the best electoral system too. So that's the kind of thing that you can do at the state level while these guys in D.C. are just yelling at each other. Okay. Uh, James Golden, a.k.a. Sternly with you. We have to ask this one more question of Derek Morgan, the Heritage EVP, the Executive Vice President. You mentioned school choice. Mm-hmm. The A lot of people don't realize that the biggest civil rights demonstration since the civil rights movement in modern times was in Florida. Mm. It was during the DeSantis race versus Gillum. Mm. And over 10, 15,000 parents, many of them black, many of them Hispanic, came out to march, Mm -hmm. to in the streets to march. Mm. Because a Democrat, Andrew Gellum, joined with the teachers' unions and said, we want to take away parents' rights to rights to choose their education, choose what school their kids can go to. And these parents, many of them black, many Hispanic, mm-hmm. Martin Luther King III was there, among others, were mm-hmm. in the streets in Tallahassee, and they said, no, you won't. Mm-hmm. Those black women were the margin of victory mm-hmm. for DeSantis during his run. Yes. And, and how exciting. Right. Because you know? we can make a change here. Arizona just passed uh, you know, their ESA bill. Uh, school choice is going to blow the, wide open. And, and Florida is making good progress, too. And there's no issue that's more important. Why should someone's future be dictated by what zip code they live in? That doesn't make any sense at well, all. Well, because that's the way it is. I mean, look, New York, our new, my New York, I grew up in New York, over 242 failing schools, mm. mostly in black Hispanic neighborhoods. But that's nothing new. Yeah. It's nothing new. It's, it's nothing new when you go to Detroit. It's nothing new yep. when you go to Buffalo. It's yep. nothing new when you go to L.A. It's nothing new when you go to any major city. Remember the cheating scandal down in Atlanta? Yep. Oh, we'll do so well. We'll even cheat to make your kids think they're smart and meanwhile yeah. rob them of an education. So when it comes to especially black people, 
in this country and Hispanic people, there seems to be an organized effort to keep people from getting a good education. And it's got to stop. It has to stop. It's kind of like that green issue we were just talking about. You know, John Kerry, he doesn't care what the local neighborhood school is like. He's going to send his kids or people like him will send their kids to a private school. They can afford that. What about the people that can't afford it? Why not take all the resources that we spend on education and let the parents decide where to go? Let them decide what education is best for their kids, whether it be homeschooling, a charter school, a private school, you know, a Catholic parochial school or a Christian school. Let the parents decide. I think we'll see so many good changes in America. Well, the argument is that you'll be bankrupting the poor old public school system. Mm-hmm. If if resources were the problem, we wouldn't be having this conversation. The U.S. spends far more per student than any other country in the world. It's not resources. It's the, it's the dingbat ideology that's in the schools, and it's uh, the lack of accountability. It's the fact that the teacher unions have such a grip on the school. Look what happened in COVID. Derek Morgan, the new heritage. Where can What can people do if they want to get involved? Come to heritage.org. Find out what we're doing. Sign up for our Morning Bell newsletter. That's kind of our news of the day. Uh, you can get a, a jolt of that and then, uh, you know, listen to your favorite uh, radio host during the day, uh, get informed on the issues, and then get activated. Uh, we also have a sister organization, Heritage Action for America, that has lots of ways for people to get involved. Everything from, you might might uh, be tempted to snooze here, but submitting regulatory comments, that's the way to gum up the regulatory state. We're equipping uh, our people to understand simple things to write to gum up the process as they're trying to legislate through <laughs> regulations. This is exciting stuff. I get excited about this. Uh, it, you know, so that's one thing you can do. You can be a poll watcher. You can be a door hanger out of Heritage Action. So I would check out their website as well. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. That's all the time we have. James Golden, a.k.a. Sterling, with you here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Thanks for listening. We will be back tomorrow for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Be here at 7 a.m. Remember, May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.